0: I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Though nowhere in this parable is the Samaritan called good, we all know today's gospel as the good Samaritan. And we know the lesson, don't we? We're supposed to be nice. We're supposed to help the stranger. We have hospitals and benevolent societies named after this parable. There are even Good Samaritan laws that protect people who help others so they can't be sued, say, for breaking a rib while they're performing CPR. In our own diocese, we now have a church named Good Samaritan and it centers its whole identity on helping others. We all know that we are supposed to be good Samaritans, doing good for those in distress. I think we all hope that we would be good Samaritans if the situation warranted it. Of course, sometimes we're more like the priest or the Levite who passed by seeking not to get involved in a problem that's got nothing to do with them or who maybe want to help but are too busy or too nervous to stop. But the character many of us don't think about but who I think is the interesting one, other than Jesus, of course, the interesting character is the lawyer. The lawyer, the one who kicks off The whole parable now I can make some lawyer jokes here but I'm not going to the lawyer can be interpreted in many ways he stands up to test Jesus now some people think he's being saucy trying to trap Jesus with his questions but I think this man is being sincere After all, he's a student of the Torah. He's heard much about this new teacher who's been interpreting the law in some novel ways. He's got good reason to ask, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Who among us can't identify with that? Who here doesn't want to know what the life of faith requires of us? Who doesn't want to know how to be good? Jesus returns the question with a question What does the law say? The lawyer knows the answer Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. A perfect answer straight out of the Torah and Jesus says so you've given the right answer do this and you will live but the lawyer perhaps like us wants some clarification well just who is my neighbor and right here I have nothing but sympathy for the lawyer There are so many needs in this world. Which ones have the greatest claim on my attention and on my action? Every week here at All Saints, there are a variety of needs. Parishioners need attention. People knock on the back door asking for help with rent or for bus passes or a Kroger gift card and people call on the phone asking for the same. Which ones have the greatest claim on my attention and our resources? You face similar dilemmas. You've got parents and spouses, children and friends who need you, yet you also see the person on the corner asking for help, and you get requests in the mail from various charities. How do you decide whom to help? Do we focus? on the one who's most like us, our friends, our family? Do we focus on the one right in front of us? Do we focus on the one in the greatest need? Just who, who is my neighbor? So I don't know about you, but I'm breathlessly awaiting Jesus's answer. Make it clear, Jesus, give me a list, an order of priority, a way to decide. Instead, Jesus tells a story, a parable, and we all know about those. They're always going to confuse us a little and probably tick us off. There's a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now that's a long road, a dangerous road. The lawyer and all those listening to Jesus knew about Jericho Road. Lots had happened there, none of it good. In that time, it was known to be dangerous. It was dangerous for travelers, it's a place where bandits would ambush people and rob them. And so Jesus' audience would have imagined themselves in the place of that man, already feeling the danger that he was in. Sure enough, that man was set upon by robbers who took all he had, beat him, left him for dead. And then we get three people passing by, all in a position to help. Now, Jesus was a storyteller, and like all storytellers, he uses the rule of three. Just as we know that if a priest and a minister walk into a bar, who's next? A rabbi. Just as we know if I say Larry and Mo, you're going to say, yes, Curly for the three stooges, and I hope that if I say Father, Son, you're going to say, Holy Spirit, yes. And Jesus knows that if he mentions a priest and a Levite, then his audience is going to expect an Israelite. He also knows that the audience will expect that the third person will do the right thing, just as we know that Goldilocks found the first bed too hard, the second bed too soft, but the third one just right. So Jesus, the storyteller, offers the priest who sees the man lying in the ditch and he crosses over to the other side. Then a Levite passes by and he too sees the man in the ditch and he crosses to the other side. Now these two aren't in for any particular blame, though they both knew the law well enough to know that they were supposed to help someone in trouble. But they also knew it was a dangerous road and this could be a trick. It could be trying to lure them over to help someone and then the robbers set upon them. Or maybe they were in a hurry, exhausted from working at the temple in Jerusalem. Whatever the reason, they do what many of us do. They go on their way, too busy, too nervous, maybe too unsure of the right thing to do. Then, after these two, the lawyer and all those others listening to Jesus, they expect after the priest, after the Levite, they think there's going to be an Israelite who will stop and do the right thing. Instead, they get a Samaritan, a Samaritan. Come on, enemy of the Jews. Samaritans and Jews were in opposite camps. They viewed one another as heretics. They'd often attacked one another violently. They had reason to fear one another. Just two Sundays ago, we heard the disciples asking Jesus if they should rain fire down upon a Samaritan village for not being hospitable. Imagine if I told you a story about a person attacked and left for dead on the side of the road and I mentioned that first an Episcopal priest walked by and went to the other side of the road, then a doctor went by and crossed to the other side of the road, but then a member of Al-Qaeda stopped to help. That's not how the story's supposed to go. But that's the story Jesus tells. The very enemy of those he's speaking to is the one Jesus says is moved by compassion to come near to the injured man, to touch him, bandaging his wounds, putting him on his own donkey, spending the night at the inn to care for him and then paying for everything and telling the innkeeper he'll be back in two days and we'll cover the whole bill. He'll spare no expense. The Samaritan The enemy has put himself in the place of the lost and the injured. He's poured himself out, spending his time, his emotions, his money, to care for this poor, beaten man. In telling this story, Jesus doesn't focus on who the lawyer, who we, are supposed to help or to love. He doesn't focus on who our neighbor is in need of us. Rather, he places his listeners, us, in the place of the man in the ditch, the one in need. And then he he provides a neighbor for that person and the neighbor turns out to be the enemy. The lawyer's in a bind when Jesus asks, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of the robbers? What else can the lawyer say but the one who showed him mercy? The lawyer wanted to figure out just who was his neighbor. Who does he have to care for? Who can he stop worrying about? That's a perfect question if you're a lawyer and are trying to get crystal clear about what the law requires. But that's not the business that Jesus is in. He's in the business of love. And there, the question isn't so much who, but how. Not who is my neighbor. But how am I being a neighbor? And the how, no surprise, is mercy. After all, that's the overriding characteristic of our God, the one who shows mercy. That's how Luke, the gospel writer, describes God over and over in the beginning of his book. Zechariah speaks of the tender mercy of God. In her Magnificat, Mary sings of the mercy of God for those who fear him. And God shows mercy to Elizabeth in allowing her to give birth to John the Baptist. After showing the lawyer not who is his neighbor, but how he is to be a neighbor to all in need of mercy, Jesus tells him to go and do likewise, since that is the way that he will live right now in the kingdom of God, rather than worrying about eternal life. Be merciful, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. Don't worry about whether they deserve mercy. Don't worry about who is your neighbor. Worry about being the neighbor. Be open to the idea that the one you consider to be your enemy might just be the very one to save your life. In this time, when we are encouraged to view one another as other, to vilify those with whom we disagree, to see the stranger as worthy of punishment, in this time when we have detention centers on the border that are filthy and overcrowded, and we blame the people there, in this time, I don't think the question is just, who is my neighbor? The question is, how am I, how are we to be the neighbor whenever we see a need? And the answer, of course, is mercy.